Hi. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Well, good morning again, everyone. Just before we uh, dive in this morning, would you pray with me? Father, today again, once more, we ask you as we go into this time now where we turn specifically to your word, we thank you for Paul and for Ephesians, this letter that he's written us, this outline of our faith, um, that we would know who you are, what you've done, and how we can respond to you, and and the benefits that come with that as as we become your people. And so um, we commit this time now to you. We ask for your blessing upon it, all for Christ's sake, and in his name I pray, amen. All right. Well, we've come to the last section of Ephesians, and with that, then, we've come to the last message in our series, The Just Do It. And we're going to dive in this morning and find out a little bit about this section of Scripture that we so oftentimes treat independently from the rest of the book of Ephesians. And the first thing that we're going to discover here this morning is that it is not some sort of disconnected addendum that Paul just kind of tags on here at the end of this letter that kind of flies out of nowhere and addresses a whole different topic than he's been discussing previously and up to this point. So from that, then, we need to understand this morning that what we've been looking at in the past few weeks is predicated on our response to God and his purpose for us. And in the same way, this next exhortation from Paul does the exact same thing. It's predicated on who we know God to be, what he has done, and his purpose for us going forward. So we need to keep that in mind. Over the last few weeks, we've looked at what God has accomplished, that he has made us alive through Christ as we place our faith in Jesus that we have been transformed into a new humanity, a new people that God is drawing to himself out of this sinful state and this sinful humanity that's here now, that he's drawing to himself now a new holy people and that we're being, being brought together ultimately under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And while we've seen that this has been established by God already, that it is in that sense past tense, we also need to understand that it is not yet fully completed, which is to say that it hasn't been fully realized yet. So in that respect, then, it's similar to a king of old that would make a decree, and at that point, that was now the deal. As soon as he issued the decree, as soon as he verbalized that, it didn't have to go through some process and be ratified in Congress or Parliament or whatever or anything like that. It was now the deal. It was already law. It became the reality for the people. And all that was left at that point was for that new reality to begin to play itself out. And that's what we're looking at here, is that we are beginning now to play out, to work out this new reality that God has spoken and has accomplished through Jesus Christ. 
So out of our appreciation then for God and what he has done, then we are now to respond to God and bring our lives into line with this new reality. So we are to be united as his people. We're to live holy lives, Paul has told us. We're to walk wisely through our lives, through the days of our lives. We're to be growing together in our relationships and in our fullness of God. And also now, this morning, we see that we are called to take a stand against the devil's schemes. That's the next thing that we do to work out this new reality. In this, then we need to understand that as Paul talks to us here about putting on the armor of God, he is not talking defensively. This is not a defensive stance. It's a forward stance. And while there will be at time, times where we have to be defensive against the schemes of the devil, that we're to understand this as moving forward into the reality that is ahead, what Christ has accomplished. And so we stand against the schemes of the devil to overcome them and to bring about this new reality that we know we have in God. So we're to move forward, and we can't look at this as being then purely defensive where we just try to somehow survive. What we need to re be reminded of at this point, and I think what really helps us in that thinking, in that perspective, is as we go back and look at what Paul has told us already a little bit in the previous chapters. In chapter 4, verse 27, you'll remember that Paul said, don't give the devil a foothold. Now he's going to actually start and address this whole idea of Satan and his schemes, the existence of the powers of evil on a whole nother level. So that's coming forward, and we're going to find that, that Satan is working against us, that there is an opposition that we are facing. But also, at the same time, we need to remember and go back even just a little bit further yet to the beginning of the book, chapter 1, to see that Satan has been defeated. And so we aren't on this defensive posture. We're not overcome and just somehow trying to weather this coming storm, but rather that we can move forward. Remember, listen to Paul again as he prays for us in verses 19 to 21 of the, uh, chapter 1, where he is talking about that we would know the power of God. Remember what he said. That power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So, as we go into this section now, and as we start to deal with some of the tough stuff of recognizing that we're in a fight, remember, always remember, and keep in the back of your head that this fight has already been won in Christ. That we are coming into this already as victorious, and what needs to happen now is that we need to play that out. That we have to rise up and do our part in this struggle. 
as we bring in, together with God, this new reality that he has accomplished. So as we read this morning, as we address this, just understand that what's left for you and I today is that we would appropriate this power of God for ourselves so that we can stand against and overcome these, over, these evil forces. So with that then, as a preamble, then let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 13 this morning, and we'll dive in. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 13. If you don't have your Bibles, as per usual, we'll have it on the screen, but I would really encourage you, bring your Bibles. Mark them up, use them, and, and um, um, don't, don't, uh, don't hesitate to do that. I think that's so, so good. We might not always have the screens. Sometimes on some Sundays they've been going out lately, we've had a little bit of trouble. But um, beyond that, we're not always going to have electronic means, I don't think. So anyways, get used to using your Bible. Let's go. Ephesians chapter 6, 10 to 13. Finally, Paul says, as he's bringing in now his letter for a landing, with everything that he's been talking about to this point, with that as a backdrop, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. As we hear Paul saying, be strong here this morning, we need to understand that that's said in the Greek passive, which is better understood as be strengthened. And so a couple of things on that point. First of all, again, we need to understand that this is not coming from within ourselves. Paul's not looking at you and I today and saying, conjure up this strength somehow within yourself. He's saying instead, be strengthened in order to accomplish what we're talking about here. And before we can even ask the question of how to be strengthened, well then Paul provides us the answer today. That we are to be strengthened, Paul says, in the Lord and in his mighty power. All along, Paul has been pointing us to the power of God as the means by which that we are going to succeed in this objective that we now have in Christ, in this purpose that we have been given by God, in this plan that God has and is playing out into the future. This is the only way that we'll succeed in our calling is by appropriating for ourselves then this power from God. And though we have our part to play, which we're going to see again this morning, as we have all along, nothing of the worthy lives that we are asked to live can be accomplished in and of ourselves. We need to be filled by the Spirit of God. That's key. It's, it's absolutely essential. We have to be filled by the Spirit of God, in order to live for God and by His power. 
Which begs then this question, then, well, then how am I strengthened by God in his power? How do, how do I get this power of God? And once more, Paul answers that question for us. And he says, in short, it's to put on the armor of God. Now, more on this shortly. But before we go to that, let's stop and take a look at the reasons for which we need God's armor. So Paul says that we need this armor, firstly, because we are in a war. And I think that that's maybe something that we have largely lost track of as his people today. We have, we have largely lost the concept, lost track of the fact that day by day we are involved in a battle. I think we tend not to think about it much. Maybe it's a little bit like the war in Ukraine. It's something that we know about, and we know that it's out there. And every once in a while, if we catch the news, we're reminded about it. But as we get up and do our day, it is not really that central to our thoughts. We go about our lives according to our agendas, just doing our thing with that maybe is something, a distant thought in, our, in the back of our minds. Or maybe we have even lost sight of that this morning. And we have actively forgotten that we have a foe. That is just something that we have ignored or suppressed in our thoughts and in our thinking. It's not an, a popular idea today. It's one, thing, it's one thing when we talk about spiritual things at all and the world kind of looks at you sideways a little bit. But when we start to talk about the fact that there's a devil out there and that he's working against us, everybody starts to really wonder, you know? Cock their heads a little awry and wonder if we're all there. And I think... We just kind of skate past that in large part. And even as we look at our lives, we fail to see that some of the challenges that we're facing maybe aren't just life challenges that just sort of happened, it's, you know, just the way that it plays out. And I'm not here this morning suggesting that there, we should see a boogeyman behind every rock. Like we're living in a broken world and, and junk happens. But sometimes I think we're oblivious or obtuse to the fact that there's someone that's actually trying to accomplish some things to derail us. And that he has capacity and power. That he has ability. And we need to start to get a little bit better, I would suggest, at looking at our lives and not just seeing life as we know it, but a little bit more of a battle zone, a war zone out there that we're going into every day. Paul is reminding us here right off the hop and in very clear terms that we are actually in a war. 
and that the significance of this war doesn't get any bigger. The significance is literally our lives. The difference between heaven and hell. So wherever we are, and every day, I think we could get better at keeping an eye on that in your life and in mine. Satan is working against us, and we see that in the next point. Paul says that we need the armor of God, secondly, to stand against the devil's schemes. And this is an interesting sort of a phrase where it again helps us to go back to understand it in the original language to to see what Paul was really trying to communicate here. So as we see this sort of a little bit of an innocuous statement to stand against the devil's schemes, well, it doesn't seem too acute and or too significant. What Paul is actually saying here is that we would be able to stand against Satan's relentless, ongoing, and varied attacks. So it conveys the frequency which is relentless and ongoing, that he doesn't stop. And secondly, it's also telling us that he varies his attacks, that he shuffles the deck, He tries different angles in order to accomplish his objectives. So we need to be understanding that today. I would say, honestly, it's gravely important that we understand that today. Satan has taken dead aim at you and I as followers of Christ and everyone else as well. And his objective is to thwart in any way possible the advancement of God's plan and purpose. That his plan, his objective, is to derail what God is up to any which way he can. He's unscrupulous in that. And we're not going to spend a whole bunch more time on that, and if you need... Some more information on that. would like to, to hear a little bit more about that. Then I would encourage you to go back to our Know Your Foe series that we did. Just look it up on YouTube. Google it. Know Your Foe. And there's a whole, I think, three weeks of, of a series that we talked about Satan and his, and his schemes. But for our purposes this morning, think about it in this way. Satan is out to disrupt our unity as God's people. Anything that he can do to sow dissension and division within us is a success for him. He's out to keep us from serving the body. So as you have doubts about using your gifts and your abilities for God, don't just think that that's you thinking rationally. That could very well be, and I would submit, is often than Satan trying to actually just discredit you in that objective and goal. He is out to damage us in our relationships, every last one of them, husbands and wives, parents and children, friends, family, neighbors, anything that he can to sow dissatisfaction, frustration, anger between us is a success for him. 
And he's also out very definitely to keep us from learning about God and what God is asking of us and what God has accomplished for us. Ignorance is his ally. So his tactics are varied in this objective. But at the end of the day, they are all lies and deception. And his ultimate goal is our death. Our death, spiritually and physically. So that underlines for us this morning all the more what Paul has called us to then just even a few verses earlier in Ephesians as he implores us to be careful then how we live. The stakes are huge. They don't get bigger. And so as Paul begs us to be careful how we live, we're now getting a bigger sense, a better sense of why that is so significant for us. If you look at your life right now, can you point to where Satan is attacking you? As you consider your life, the things that are going on, some of your thoughts and your perspectives, can you see where Satan is actually trying to lobby and maneuver against you and against God's purpose for you? Some of us, I think, tend to wander along and think to ourselves, well, man, things are going pretty good. It's not too bad. I'm not under attack lately. And I think sometimes we've been led to believe that, well, that that's a good thing, you know, that everything's going well, you know, blah, blah, blah. Satan is even, has been lulled into just letting me live where I'm living. I don't, I don't believe that that's the case, actually. At one time, maybe you could have convinced me. But I don't think it matters how far out of the game you might be already, or we might be together already, what have you, I think that he wants us even further out of the game. And he won't miss an opportunity to take you another step further down the road away from God. Which is to say that then every day we should be anticipating that he's up to something to accomplish that. And we need to look at ourselves really carefully to make sure that we're not dismissing that, that we're not overlooking that, that we're not somehow just ignoring that. Let's carry on. Verses 14 to 17 now. Paul starts to give us some specific pieces of our armor that we're to don says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Now, 
We're going to stop there, and we're, and we're not going to go into this any further this morning. But if you would like to go into the, these areas, the, the specific pieces of the armor of God, I'm going to refer you back again to a series on the armor of God that we did in 2016. So you can Google that. Armor of God, First Baptist Church, 2016. And we did it over the course of the summer. We looked at all of these individual pieces of armor. So I'll leave you to, to follow up there if you so choose. This morning, what I'll do instead is I want to just briefly draw our attention to what Paul is telling us as he says, the armor of God. Quote, unquote, the armor of God. Now, without question here, Paul is indicating that the armor of God is armor that comes from God. So we need to understand again that this isn't something that we can do in, our, in and of ourselves, that we can't go out and buy this at Walmart. We can't appropriate it any which way other than by going to God for it. And by that again, we are underlined, we understand that it's only through God that we will win this fight. But the armor of God also points to something else. And here in Ephesians 6, we see a very distinct parallel, a connection at least, with the armor worn by the Messiah in the book of Isaiah back in the Old Testament. And it would seem very evident that as Paul is writing here and as he's talking about this, he is drawing from his knowledge of the Old Testament, from Isaiah in particular, in Isaiah, O'Brien, Peter O'Brien points out that God and the Messiah don the armor, this armor of God, in order to go out and vindicate God's people. So, God and the Messiah in Isaiah are depicted as putting this armor on so that they can go out and vindicate God's people, that they can go out and rescue them from the oppression that is going on in the world as we know it. So as we now are encouraged to put on the armor of God, we're seeing that we're actually putting on the armor of God, God's armor, if you will. Now, interestingly enough here, it's not that God needs armor. It's not that somehow he is weak and susceptible and needs to then somehow protect himself. Rather, from that, what we need to understand that this is who God is. That as he comes to vindicate his people and as now we are called to go out and overcome the schemes of the devil in the world around us, that we are to appropriate for ourselves the character and the, the, the accomplishments of God. That we should don those things as well. And that as we do, that we will have success just as God has success in overcoming evil and has actually now completely vanquished it through Christ's death and resurrection. So in that then, 
We need to understand a few things. That as we use God's armor, as we appropriate it for ourselves, as we employ it in our individual lives, then we should be confident of success. That again, it's not just sort of like some sort of crapshoot here. Wonder how this one's going to go. But rather that we would go into these skirmishes, these battles, confident that with God, through God, that we will be successful, that we will overcome these things in our lives and in the lives of the world around us as well. In, in, in our circumstance, that we will stand differently, that we will have a different perspective and a different success by virtue of God. The other thing that we need to understand here is that in this battle, God has spared us nothing. He's not sitting back and saying, well, that's my armor. You can't use that. That's mine. Figure it out for yourselves. Just like everything else, just like everything else with God, he goes to no, to every end. He spares no expense in order to set us up for success in what he is calling us to. And we can, we can take that to the bank. God is not hedging his bets against us. He's not sitting back circumspectly wondering how the kids are going to do. He's equipping us. He's bankrolling us. He's giving us the material that we need. Putting it at our disposal. It's up to us then to choose whether or not we're going to use it or not. And this brings us to the last little section here that we'll look at this morning. Ephesians 6, verses 18 to 20. And this is really quite interesting, I think. Paul says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, he calls us one more time, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul carries right on without skipping a beat into this area of prayer. Not that he's suggesting that prayer is a weapon here. So much as what he's saying is that prayer is foundational to every aspect of the armor and to our success in the battle against evil. John Stott points out really simply that it is by prayer that we put on the armor of God. That's how we begin to employ it. That's how we appropriate it for ourselves. That's how we prepare ourselves for the battle ahead through prayer. That's how we don this armor. We ask the Holy Spirit to equip us with those 
various pieces of armor. Some really quick points here also in verse 18. Paul's call for us to pray on all occasions and all kinds of prayers is in response specifically to Satan's relentless attacks and varied schemes. There's a parallel there. As we understand that Satan is attacking us relentlessly, then we need to be praying constantly. And as we understand that he uses various tactics, then we need to use and employ various prayers. That we wouldn't just pray the same prayer, that we would be actually tailoring our prayers to the attacks that we are facing. That we would speak specifically into those things with God. Paul again issues a last reminder to be alert. And that's very much in keeping with Jesus' command to us in Mark 14, verse 38, where he says that we should watch and pray that we not fall into temptation. And we know what happened when the disciples fell asleep rather than praying. That in short order, then they denied Christ. They ran, they were scattered, they were overcome by their fear and by the forces around them. So as Paul says to us, be alert. Hear Jesus this morning say, don't fall asleep. Pray so that you can succeed in the mission ahead. That we wouldn't be divided, that you wouldn't be overcome, that you would be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And so at the end of the day, my people can stand. Paul also encourages us not to pray just for ourselves, but that we're to pray for all of God's people, which is a reminder again, just as Paul has been talking to us throughout this book, that we're together in this as a fight, that we're not lone rangers in this, bombing around with our own six shooters, yada, 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 blah, 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 that we need each other in this, and we need each other to pray for each other also so that we can be victorious in this whole thing. We go to God with our requests. Maybe sometimes when we're feeling particularly benevolent, we go to him with some requests in general for some people that we might know or family or whatever, and that's all good and that's great and don't quit that. But also we need to learn to pray for one another as a whole. That we would be praying for our people here, our congregation here. That we would be praying for others outside of our congregation. We should be praying for those people in the Ukraine that are in the midst of a real war. The, the, the body there, God's holy people there, that they would be able to stand in the midst of all of what's going on. Around the world where there's, where there's uh, 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 corruption and where there's also um, um, oppression of the church and of, of, against God's people and his agendas and so on. So we need to be praying for those people there. We need to be externally focused as much and more as, the, as we are internally focused. Lastly, Paul asks his readers to pray for him. And note, note his request this morning. Paul doesn't, Paul doesn't pray, hey, pray that I'd get out of prison. Pray that I'd be released. It's, it's just so not on his agenda. 
Paul prays, asks them to pray that he would be successful in his mission. That he would be successful in living a holy life for God. That he would stay strong and true, that he would be able to proclaim the gospel for which he is an ambassador in chains. He doesn't see his imprisonment as a problem. He sees it as an opportunity. And he asks then for prayer that he would live up to the challenge. And this is Paul asking his readers to pray for him. This morning, I need your prayers. That I would be able to proclaim it the way God calls me to do that in my situation, my circumstance. You need prayers. You need my prayers so that you would be able to live this out in your world, in your family, in your home, in your blo- on your block, at work. So that we would be able to go out there and accomplish God's purpose and plan. That we would be able to overcome the schemes of the devil. That we would be able to be worthy of this calling that God has given to you and I. Day by day. So as we come to the end of this book of Ephesians, then here then, church family and friends, is our faith. Here's Christianity summarized for us so neatly and succinctly by Paul in this letter. Paul's told us about our call from God. That we can be brought back to life through faith in Jesus Christ. That we are then his people, now united, holy, wise, filled with the Spirit, and growing. Growing together in the fullness of God, individually in the fullness of God. But not only that, also growing in numbers as the church, the body expands. That we're to use our gifts that he has given us to go out and be a demonstration of God, his goodness, and his wisdom to the world around us and indeed to the heavens beyond us. And that we're to prevail now against the forces of evil that would seek to derail God's plan and purpose in us and going forward. And church family and friends, how are we to do that? How? By the armor of God. In God's power. By God's power. And nothing less. Now together, all of us, let's pray that we, the just, would do it. Father, as we come now to the end of this book, I pray that it wouldn't be the end, but it would be, in fact, the beginning. That you would start in us a new response to you and to our call. That you would move us, God, from where we are to another level in our desire and in our ability and in our actual accomplishment of a worthy calling. Lives worthy of you. 
So be with us now. By your Spirit, come alongside us. Move within us. Motivate us. Equip us. Challenge us. And grow us as your people. And I pray this now all in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Hey. As some reminders. These are for you guys. Wear them as you're doing life. And as you see them, get out there and get it done. All right, I'm going to throw out my arm. Have a good week. Next week, we're starting a new series. It's called Game Changers. And it's going to be awesome. Invite some friends. Let's fill this place up again. See you then.